Good morning, everybody. It's Friday. It's a beautiful Friday, and uh, it's a good morning to be in the Word together. Uh, gosh, I appreciate you so much. My name is Tim Harris. I'm pastor at Woodburn Baptist Church in South Central Kentucky. This is called 10 with Tim. We do this Monday through Friday at 10 o'clock for 10 minutes, just going verse by verse through the Word of God. And uh, so many of you are with me every single day, or at some point you catch up, and I appreciate your faithfulness. It's okay to get behind. Just catch up. It's okay to binge watch over the weekend. Some of you do that. It's okay to be a, a day behind me. It's okay. It's also wonderful, those of you who join me live and just stay with me every day. Uh, I love you all. And uh, again, the fact that we do this together means the world to me. Uh, it's been a good week in the Word, but wow, we finished on such a great note this week. Isaiah chapters 25 and 26. Uh, we're taking on two chapters today. Uh, oh my goodness. Uh, were you not so ready for these? I mean, after all of the terror and trap of the last few uh, days, you know, these oracles against the nations, and then yesterday, the destruction of the earth. Today, just these two amazing, literally amazing chapters of praise right smack dab in the middle of the book of Isaiah. I love it. Oh, Lord, I will honor and praise your name for you are my God. That's how chapter 25 begins. And it's like, what? <laughs> you know, it sounds so good. It sounds so sweet. And, and, and indeed it is. You do such wonderful things, the prophet says. You planned them long ago. Now you have accomplished them. Yeah, I, I love that. Wonderful things, he says. You do wonderful things. Um, in this particular instance, wonderful things isn't just, you know, oh, wonderful. You know, we throw that word around, uh, but, but literally it's that full of wonder. And Isaiah uses this term in, in that literal meaning. God does things that are full of wonder. In other words, it'll leave you speechless and slack-jawed and, and incapable of, of describing, you know, what God has done. Uh, now, what he has done I mean, it, I mean, define wonderful things, right? Because he turns the city into a heap of ruins. Cities with strong walls are turned to rubble. Beautiful palaces disappear. I mean, you call these wonderful things? Um, I mean, again, if you think of wonderful as only like, you know, extremely good, happy, you know, shockingly good things, um, it's, it's, it's what I mean. You have to understand what he means by wonderful things, wonderful things, full of wonder. Uh, indeed, these things do accomplish God's purposes. And for that reason, we would say that they're good things, ultimately good things. But, but again, we're talking about these words of praise. These, these are you know, oracles of doxology that actually occur in the face of the dissolution of all civilized reality. I mean, you understand that? These are the people that are praising God in the ruins of human civilization uh, and in the beginning of, of what God is going to bring next. It's, it's, a, it's a beautiful picture, but understand we are talking about the end of the world here. And, and for that reason, there's, there's a sobering kind of beauty to, to what you read here in chapter 25. You do such wonderful things, full of wonder. Um, you planned them long ago and now you've accomplished them. Literally, the Hebrew says uh, they are true and true. <laughs> true and true. Um, true and true. Uh, they're true uh, and true. In other words, there is a sense that you you prophesied them long ago. Uh, if 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 it weren't for biblical prophecy, if it weren't for passages in Isaiah or passages in Daniel, you know, in the Old Testament, 
uh, that prophesy what God is going to do, then you could always turn around and say, well, that was just a coincidence or that just happened. You know, it's just history playing out. But 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 no, when God says precisely what he's going to do, you know, several hundred years before he does it, and then it happens, that's when Isaiah says, you know, oh, oh my goodness, these are wonderful things. You know, obviously God knows what he's doing. And God wants us to know that he is doing these wonderful things. And, and that's why scripture has this pattern of prophecy and fulfillment. He tells you ahead of time what he's going to do, and then he does it. And when you see it done, then you know that it was God's hand at work. Do you understand that? So here's the prophet here sort of taking a moment to wander, you know, over the beauty of, of biblical prophecy, prophecy and fulfillment. Therefore, strong nations will declare your glory. Ruthless nations will fear you. Uh, the only way a ruthless nation will come to fear God is if God shows them a power greater than theirs. You know, He shows them that he is more fiercely devoted to love than they are fiercely devoted to destruction. You know, God reveals himself. But notice once more this emphasis on God's acting on behalf of the poor the needy, those who are oppressed. Um, again, we tend to put ourselves right here in the middle of this banquet, you know, that God's going to throw for all the righteous, you know, assuming that, you know, we're in that number. And again, I'm not calling into question your relationship to Christ in the gospel. I'm just saying Isaiah's vision here is, is a God who is coming to right all the wrongs of the world. And, and when you talk about what's wrong for the world, you're talking about just the brutalizing nature of human civilization. You know, the way that the rich get richer, the powerful get more powerful, and the poor and the needy continue to exist or barely exist in their poverty and in their need. And Every page of scripture, you know, screams that God is, you know, furious when people are mistreated, you know. So don't think for a moment that the gospel cancels that, that, that now we're all saved by grace, and of course we are, and so therefore we don't have to care about the plight of the poor. I mean, every page of the Bible shows that God cares about the poor. God cares about the needy, and when he comes and, and fixes everything that's wrong with this old world, you know, that, that's one of the ways you're going to notice that he's, you know, that he is now on the throne. You know, you no longer have people mistreated. You no longer have a system that's in place that leaves people at the bottom, that, that leaves people out. Uh, again, I know I, I sound like some kind of hippie or, you know, some kind of political, you know, firebrand. And I, I'm not, I'm just trying to read the Bible with you, you know. But you can't possibly say that you, that you have the heart of God if you don't have God's heart for the poor. If, if your heart doesn't break for all the things that break the heart of God, then, then there's something wrong with your heart. You understand? And God's heart is broken for the poor. God's heart is broken for those who are needy and in distress. And when he comes, he's going to, he's going to take care of those who have been left out. You just can't miss it. For the oppressive acts of ruthless people are like a storm beating against a wall or like the relentless heat of the desert. But you silence the roar of foreign nations as the shade of a cloud cools relentless heat. So the boastful songs of ruthless people are stilled, you know, ruthless people. Those are the people who benefited, you know, in the face of the poverty of, of, of the others. Um, notice this verse six, this beautiful alternative picture. Now, when you see pictures like this of the end times, you know, of what God's going to do, 
Uh, it's not just a single event. It's not like he's going to throw one big banquet. You know, we're going to eat and burp and then go back to our business. You know, no, it's a it's a snapshot of of an alternative of a future coming alternative existence. It's going to be nothing like this present world. You, you know, so you're not. It's not just a dinner, one big dinner. It, it, it is a the, the dawn of a new age. And this banquet, understand, it's it's a symbol. It's a sign of well being. It's a sign of peace. It's it's a sign of security, ultimate security. It's the sign of God's generosity, God's ultimate goodness and generosity. And it's just that that, that peaceable kingdom that, that comes only when God comes and removes the cloud of doom. I love that. Verse 7 and 8. Uh, this is what's fun about chapters 25 and 26 because, uh, I, I mean, honestly, we're reading the Old Testament together. And, uh, and these passages today are really only one of two passages in all the Old Testament that speak about a resurrection. You know, most clearly in chapter 26, but here, he will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away all the tears. I mean, this is Isaiah calling it before Revelation, you know, calls it. I mean, he will wipe away all the tears. He will swallow up death forever. Not just death in the sense that, you know, I'm going to die and you're going to die. But I mean, it's definitely that. But also the way in which death is just that cloud over all of our existence. Everything I do, I do in the knowledge that, 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 that this whole earth is passing away and my life is just a moment, you know, a breath passing so quickly. You know, all your life you live watching your parents grow older, you know, in, in fear of your children and, and the desire to protect them. It's just that gloom. It's that cloud of death. And that is exactly what God is going to remove. He's going to swallow up that, that, that cloud of, uh, that cloud of death. Go to chapter 26 with me real fast, because I don't want to, I don't want to lose it. Man, I've just been underlining in chapter 26, just verses. It's like, man, that, that's just a verse for my life. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Man, underline that. That's chapter 26, verse 3. You will keep in perfect peace. Man, I could stop and preach to you right now if I need to. Is your heart in perfect peace? Can you say that? You know, can you say that, that you're at perfect peace today? I don't know that I can. You know, somebody just asked me, you know, what kind of day are you going to have? And I think my word was, this is going to be a nightmare. <laughs> I've just got a lot to do. It's going to be a good, I've got good things to do today. But at the same time, in the anxiety of getting it all done and, and Sunday's coming and there's so many things I want to do and I'm trying to cram them into one day. And I don't call that perfect peace, you know, but what God wants for me is perfect peace. The problem is I don't trust him enough and I don't fix my thoughts on him. You know, I fix my thoughts on the chaos that I'm about to have in the next 24 hours trying to get things done, trying to get ready for Sunday. You know, again, it's all good. At the same time, there's so much of it crammed into one day that I don't get to enjoy any of it. You know, and, and that's how I live my life. And y'all pray for me. You know, why are we like this? You know, perfect peace. God just wants it. The, the Hebrew word is shalom. He just wants this incredible kind of, of total peace, wholeness, you know, and not this busy, chaotic, you know, rushing back and forth that you and I call living, you know. I, I love that. I love when he says, um, 
Only when you come to judge the earth will people learn what is right. Your kindness to the wicked does not make them do good. You know, man, that's just the truest thing ever spoken. You know, God is so kind and God is so full of love. But have you noticed, man, there's a whole bunch of crazy people out there. They do not respond to kindness and love. You show them kindness and love and they will still show you their rear end. I mean, you know, they are not interested. They're not moved by kindness and love. They only understand one thing. And that's when somebody, you know, stands up in front of them and says, I'm done with your mess. I mean, you know, and that's what God does. You know, that's what his judgment does. You know, it's the only way that people will learn to do what is right when God fiercely opposes them in, the, in, in their wrongdoing. You, you know what I mean? I mean, you can be kind and, and love and God would rather love the world and show only kindness. But but if you just continue to show kindness, there's a certain kind of person that will take your kindness all the way to hell with them, you know? And, and so God loves the world enough to stand in the face of wrongdoers and say, you're not going to continue down this path, you know? He fiercely opposes those who uh, act in sin. Verse 19, don't forget it, because as I said, this is one of two passages in all the scripture. I think the other one is Daniel chapter 12. Daniel chapter 12 and verse 2, I think. The only two passages in all the Old Testament that clearly talk of resurrection, but man, this is it. Chapter 26, verse 19. Those who die in the Lord will live. Their bodies will rise again. I mean, it doesn't get any clearer than that. Those who sleep in the earth will rise up and sing for joy. For your life-giving light will fall like dew on your people in the place of the dead. You know, man, that is so good. That is so good. As I say, we forget how rare a reference to resurrection is in the Old Testament because honestly, before Jesus was risen, it had never happened. And, and the human imagination had not even really gotten there. I mean, death sure looked like death and you never saw anybody coming back. It's the prophet Isaiah and the prophet Daniel who go, oh, no, 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 you don't know. You have not yet seen what God's going to do and death is not the end. Uh, those who die in the Lord will live. Their bodies will rise again. I love that. I love that. So listen, have a great weekend. We're going to pick up here on Monday morning. We're in two chapters again. Chapters 27 and 28. Chapter 28 is pretty long, so I'm not giving you a, an easy uh, assignment there. But let's do two chapters for Monday. Chapters 27, Isaiah chapters 27, chapter 28. We'll pick up there. Uh, listen, I'm preaching through the book of Revelation in the Woodburn pulpit. So don't miss that. Uh, Sunday morning, 8, 9, 30, and 11. Join us here in worship. I love you guys so much. I love everything we share. Thank you for a good week in the Word. Uh, Lord willing, I look forward to another good week next week starting on Monday. So listen, have a great weekend. I love you so much, and I'll see you Monday.